1980, Wayne pays a political price after Amelia writes a scathing article for the local paper accusing the attorney's office of fraudulently pinning the missing children on the Woodard shooting. Hayes is furious at being busted down to secretarial work in the Office of Public Information and takes his anger out on Amelia. Amelia is able to see past his anger to correctly identify his trauma and pain and wants to give him a second chance. Wayne sees her peace overture and raises her a marriage proposal. In 1990, it turns out that menacing Mr. Hoyt is more of a fisherman than a hunter, as he and Wayne duel verbally around the gaps in each other's knowledge as to the disappearance of Julie Purcell and Harris James. Wayne later meets Amelia at the local VFW post, and they make a bargain. They'll both walk away from their mutual involvement in the Purcell case and reinvest in each other and their relationship. Roland takes his partner's apparently second betrayal hard, going out of his way to earn an ass-whooping at the local biker's bar. Outside, he is befriended by a stray mutt, apparently beginning his one-man dog rescue mission. In 2015, Wayne and Roland track down various leads that bring them face-to-face with Julie's pink castle, the mysterious one-eyed man, and a convent of nuns before at long last Wayne uncovers the final truth about Julie Purcell. That despite everything that's happened and the long years between, she's managed to find peace and happiness in a new life. We are left to hope that Wayne can find some measure of the same in his twilight years with his once and future partner and remaining family members. Welcome to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about the season finale, 308, titled uh, Now I'm Found, I think is the title of this. It's a reference to the, the song Amazing Grace. Yeah. Uh, among other things, uh, what'd you think of the finale of season three? You know, I really liked it. And I think the reason I really liked it is as I... Th- I've tried to be transparent about this entire season is I was increasingly less and less invested in essential uh, mystery. And, and honestly, what we found on this episode tracked largely with a lot of the popular theories that kind of got forged in episode one, but I got a lot of nice, really interesting and uh, lyrical character moments with uh, Roland and Wayne and his wife and his son and their families and, like this, this theme of, um, I mean, you can kind of make your joke. It's not, it, it's not the journey. It's the friends you make along the way or whatever, kind of, you know, kind it's of the friends who end up on your porch. Right. <laughs> um, they, they give up dogs for you. And, and I, I, I thought it was, I, the only thing that, that I, I guess I was a little let down is I think that, um, Mahershala said that this is the fine, this, this, this particular episode is the finest script he does ever read. And I'm like, have you read episode four? Did you read episode five? <laughs> um, he wasn't allowed to, but, but it, I mean, for, so this is like a 78 minute denouement for the entire season. And, and I thought that worked well and it was a nice little, like, I feel as, as shifted into the off season as I've ever felt by a television show. Like I'm perfectly like the perfect amount of sated and like with the perfect amount of closure and and very excited about like a couple years from now looking looking for a potential season four. What did you think, Jim? Uh, I'm not quite as positive on it. I was I sensed that in our brief discussion. 
Yeah, uh, I thought it was so. I was exactly whelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't <laughs> okay, underwhelmed. Yeah. I was one hundred percent whelmed uh-huh. uh, during this finale. I think it was clunky in a lot of spots where people, you know, who haven't been following this intensely on Reddit, haven't been doing podcasts or listening to podcasts, would be very disappointed with the way that this quote unquote mystery wraps up. It's th- essentially a giant info dump from one of the main players. Yes. Nobody ever actually comes across as the big bad. And if someone does, she's already long dead. So like mm-hmm. none of none of really any of that mystery stuff matters to the show. But I think, like you said, where this this season actually shines is in the relationships and the character development. And some of the stuff that they do at the end with uh specifically, you know, Wayne. I mean, Roland gets his moment too, but uh, it's, it really revolves around Wayne and Amelia, uh, is really strong, really good character work. Um, some poignant, especially with Wayne's illness, like they, they address that, I think in a really interesting and nuanced way, mm-hmm. uh, that actually had me thinking a lot about those final scenes. What does the flashback to Vietnam mean? Like there's a lot of good stuff there to, to meditate on. And I think that's what the show is encouraging you to do at the end, not to, not to, worry too much about the mystery because ultimately it's not that interesting right yeah and i'm i mean i full disclosure i also i feel like i have a personal connection to this story because um kind of one of the things i had realized late last year and early this year is that i have been really missing the connection with my friends that i kind of left behind in indiana mm, yeah and thinking about like these guys like you know these guys were like my best friends and and brothers and like i we barely talk anymore so like late last year i sent each of them a message being like hey you know i know things have gotten busy but uh it'd be nice if we could get and hang and i've had positive interactions with all of them and then in particular when like old man wayne and old man hayes showed up i like called my buddy nick like that week and said hey are you watching true detective because when you get to this episode, I want you to know that the first thing I thought was, I don't know who this is going to like, whether I'm going to be Wayne or I'm going to be Roland, but this is going to be one of us when we're like 80 years old. And uh, uh, so it's like, I just felt like this is kind of I, I like I it was a snapshot in my life that I thought was really interesting. And I know that that might be the thing that takes that takes us from good or like above average to like great television for me. But even 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 with a lackluster finale, I think this has been a superior season of television. And yeah, yeah. Um, did you you probably didn't. But listening to the Ringers um, podcast with Andy and Chris, where um, Greenwald, who's kind of been like a true detective hater from the beginning, had some really interesting things about how like while he thinks Pizzolatto is kind of reactionary, like season two is largely reaction to, to, to the reaction of season one and season three feels like a reaction to season two. And he's kind of like fascinated that like, you know, this isn't, this isn't anything like what true detective was about. in the first, it, it had those trappings, but what it was ultimately trying to say was actually more interesting and meaningful. And I kind of feel like that. And if he's right, I honestly, I can't even imagine what season four is going to be like if it turns out to be a reaction to the reaction of season three. Like, maybe it'll have a great finale. (laughs) Yeah, that's in all respects. Because I I think it, that's honestly the only sour taste I have in my mouth of this season is Mm -hmm. simply the finale and the the lackluster mystery behind it all. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I was enjoying myself 100% all the way up through the the last episode. Mm hmm. Uh, then the finale sort of, you know, it, it's hard to say it let me down cause it gave me a lot that I appreciated, but yeah, I, I 
felt like it could have been better at the very i mean i again i it's just every time this show could go for gonzo it almost always goes for mundane in this season only the one exception was the woodard yeah woodard was the one time where this show just like decided to cut loose and go fucking gonzo with the natural with, with like the, the things that they'd built up to but like you know you I will say, like, this conversation with Hoyt was filled with menace, but ultimately uh, it was nothing. It was a fishing expedition. I thought that um, it was really strange, like, seeing Wayne and Roland roll up into the pink castle because, like, the music was playing like this is a moment, but it, it's not. It's not really. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the there was some tension between, like, Wayne finding out whether, you know, he'd forgotten that he's there to see Julie. Was he going to what is that going to mean? Ultimately, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, because even if he did get a brief glimpse of closure, it's entirely possible to the next day he'll forget all about it. So, like, what did it even mean? Well, I think that's like so. True Detective season one uh-huh. is both a lot like this season and also nothing like this season. But yeah, but the the ways in which it is very similar, like with this this murder mystery um, involving the kids and like trying to you know, suss out who's responsible for that the entire season. Mm-hmm. I felt like season one did a better job delivering on the uh, sort sort of the, the mystery part of the right. season. Like it actually said, okay, here's a person who is responsible. Now there's a bigger picture right. that we don't quite have insight into, but it almost left it in like a, a more unsettling off putting tone. And I didn't mm. feel like any of that came through in this season. And I, I guess that's not what Nick was going for. Like he, he, I think much more leaned into the character of Wayne at the end of this, but I I can understand why people coming into this, myself included, had a lot of expectations about this mystery is going to be something important to the central story, but also at the same time, it's going to be thrilling and exciting to see it come to a conclusion. And when that, you know, deflating balloon, as I've seen it referred to in the, in this season finale, just yeah. kind of lets most of the air out slowly over the course of this right. 79 minute episode. Right. You are left feeling a little hollow, like a little unsatisfied. And that's a problem, in my opinion. Um, I will say that I, I honestly did not feel that. I know my wife felt a little bit of it. And but I will say that every single time I didn't get we didn't get a lot of this feedback um, because, you know, I, I think we kind of cultivated an audience over the course of the season that's not as in tune with like the, the theory crafting, um, which I want to talk about here in a minute. But um, when I was on Reddit and I was reading people's reactions, like I totally got it. Like the people that were saying, like, I can't believe this horse shit, milk toast. No, it's like, you know, one thing not to have Cthulhu monsters, but not even have like a big bad. And like, there's no. And yeah, I got it. I understood. But I also mm-hmm. felt like we were kind of watching a, a different show. But even you and I, I think we're pretty well attuned to that. So it's like, like I said, there's there's definite room to see where people would be disappointed. And again, maybe it's just because. Uh, a lot of this season in particular made me kind of smile and reflect and think about about life, you know? Yeah, I mean, what you said about the, uh, you know, the sort of reactionary nature of this season to, mm-hmm. to season two and then the previous one. It, I think that kind of works against Pizzolatto in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to sort of, 
you know, have fun with sort of misleading his audience and, oh, I'm going to set up this big mystery and then it's going to be something where the the conclusion is so damn similar, right? Like, Errol Childress, the, the lawnmower man, is out there snatching up kids and killing them. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have the landscaper mm-hmm. working at this place where Julie was. Oh, but he's a good guy, right? This mm-hmm. all works out in the end. Everyone's happy. That's the twist. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was it was a twist related to the mystery. It was almost like a meta twist. No, I was saying that like I think there is it it is a lot of interesting meta and that I think Pizzolatto intentionally is trying to say something about the true crime wave that has kind of swept up the internet in the last four years. Like that's is that not that's gotta be like the dominant category for podcasting oh, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's huge on cable television. It's huge in documentary. HBO's getting into it. Netflix is getting into it. Everybody's just more and more and more. And I like I've not been it's it's a rare one that kind of catches me. But like I kind of felt like what he was saying about how you know, you get into these like subreddits that are around these communities and it's just it's it 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 seems like it's instantly dominated by like the crazy conspiracy theorists of of you know, there's no one in there that's like has a reasonable kind of like middle path interpretation. It's all this like, you know, why are you shilling for blah? And I, I kind of felt like this is a reaction to that and I liked it. I liked what it said about that. Like, look at here's something we're talking about, friendships, family uh what it means to tell truth to power um but everybody's mad because they didn't get their 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 crazy serial killer fix they didn't get to see those kids being chained to beds and again that's a valid reaction to have watching this show you know it's like if i turned into season five of star trek the next generation it would turn into a buddy comedy Mm -hmm. like not super cool but i do I, I think it's I, I I admire what Nick is doing because like um, take the guy who wrote uh, what Andy Weir he wrote The Martian yeah uh, people said uh, you know well you 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 write shallow characters and they're very particular point of view and essentially it's it's a giant Mary Sue of you uh, Andy Weir Andy Weir writes a second book Artemis and he's like well I'm gonna write a Muslim woman young woman as the hero and he writes Mark Watney that yes has some Muslim t- trappings and is equipped with tits. Uh-huh. But it's it's recognizably the exact same fucking character. I like that people can go to Pizzolatto, you piece of shit, you can't write anything but dark, male, gritty narratives that don't pay. And then he writes season two, and then they're like, "Well, you don't understand male female relationships. You don't get any that there's you don't you can't write." And then he writes season three, and I'm like, he's rising to the challenge, and every single thing shows improvement on those things. And like, you know, he's a really young guy. That's um. I mean, I mean, it's it's almost like if um, you know someone accused uh, 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 Phelps, what's his name, uh, for uh, swimming. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're a good swimmer, but can you play tennis? And he comes <laughs> back next next Olympics and he gets silver in tennis. Like people would be like, oh, you didn't get fucking gold, but like, isn't it amazing he got silver? Yeah. So yeah, I I I don't know. Those are the things I thought about, and just kind of seeing it like at this meta level of like what this guy is doing, filmmaking, and so um, I want to talk. Speaking of meta, I felt like this year, and I was nervous the whole time. Like you know, anytime we do a show like this, we're always thinking like, how crazy into the theories should we get? And I felt like in the last few years, we've we fucked that up. We've never had the balance right. And like going back to season two of True Detective, talking about like Westworld, talking about Mr. Robot. We're always in this yin and yang of overcorrection or overreaction. But I felt like we kind of nailed it this year. 
like we we talked about some of the theories, but like I felt like most of the theories were not like people were wanting them to be more than they were. And I'm like, well, this this actually seems this isn't a theory so much as what the show is telling us. And in the end, all of the outlandish stuff that's like Amelia's the killer, you know, the yeah. the black man, uh, the one eyed black man is a homicidal maniac. Uh, Roland is going to betray them all like that was all bullshit. And we covered we treated it as we dismissed it as such and i felt like finally we were like on the same wavelength of the show did you feel that too yeah but i almost feel like it was uh, not a feature a, a, no a situation where we we knew a little too much at any given time like mm. I, I i have a question for our audience like how are we affecting your enjoyment of the show <laughs> because i think my enjoyment of the show in, in this finale mm-hmm. specifically was definitely affected by kind of understanding everything that happened based yeah. on like internet speculation before it actually happened. And, and like the last 30 minutes was the actual twist, but it wasn't the twist we were expecting, I think. Yeah. But the case was basically solved. Yeah. In, I don't know. Episode three, like people had this theory right. about Isabella and the, the kidnapping Even and down the, to the garden. They had the, gar- the gardener the as soon kid. as he yep. showed up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like all that stuff was figured out. And to the point where you could do slight variations on it, but the yeah. big pieces all made perfect sense and right. locked in right. very early on. And I, I want to know, like, do do you as a listener feel like we have decreased your enjoyment of the finale? <laughs> because I, like, as a podcaster, I feel like my enjoyment of it is occasionally decreased by knowing sure. too much. I, I think that, like, if this show was all sizzle and no steak, that would be the case. And and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Like, if, yeah, if you're here for, like, a latest true crime kind of flavored mystery that, like, can get a little bit more lurid and, you know, actually has, like, A++ actors instead of, like, you know, the real dudes, uh, then then I guess, yeah, you could you, you, you come away, like, overanalyzing this to the extent that, like, because I think the Internet wants a complicated mystery that allows them to keep guessing each week that holds up to looking back scrutiny and also manages to deliver a surprise in the end. Yes. What Nick Pizzolatto said is, fuck all that. I'm just going to tell you the story. It's interesting in and of itself. And then the twist will be that this girl managed to escape this hellish situation and find a place of family and accepting and love in the exact same way that Wayne was able to come out of the jungles of Vietnam. This kind of like sad. I, I feel like that my answer is to the riddle of who's Bagheera in this fucking show is it's both Wayne and Julie because they both came out of this hellish situation, smashed a prison they were in with the help hmm. of, you know, human guidance and were able to. I don't know, be a Bagheera, whatever, be able to find Mowgli and take him out of the jungle and rescue him for Shere Khan and whatever. I saw the tie, tie a burning stick to his tail. Is there, is there a, ghost, on his way. a ghost wife in Jungle Book? There is. There is a ghost yeah, wife? Okay. It gets, it gets, Kipling gets really weird in the sequels. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, shit, this is the longest intro that we've ever done for a a podcast. Should Should we get into the... Yeah, I feel like it's doing dual duty, uh, kind of serving as a wrap up for the the season in general and our feelings on it. And that, that meta conversation, I think, certainly as a podcaster is interesting for me. Hopefully it is for our audience, too. Right, right. I mean, it's it's funny because it's like I do think that this is uh, this finale has single handedly put True Detective back on the map for critics because I feel mm-hmm. like that the Seppenwalls and the Pony Wozniks and the uh the the greenwalds and and were not like kind of shunning this show except for the ones who were you know being paid to do it for the you know uh and 
they kind of all come back on board with like, well, this is at least worthy of discussion and watching now. Like this isn't yeah. just stupid television that's about stupid stuff. That I don't, so I, I mean, I, if, I don't know if that's good or bad. I imagine it's infuriating if you're in the camp that doesn't doesn't like this this season. Hey, before we get to the episode, I want to do a little housekeeping. And first, I want to thank everyone who is new to Bald Move for joining us on this season's adventure with True Detective. We've really enjoyed your guys' feedback and your uh, listenership. And want to remind you that we don't do just True Detective. We do so much television. Just this year alone, we've got Game of Thrones, the final season, biggest show on television, uh, starting up in April. And we're going to have full Gonzo coverage of that this year. Later in the year, we've got Watchmen uh, that we're really excited about on HBO. We've got Stranger Things coming back, Mr. Robot's final season. We have new and upcoming movie reviews nearly every week. And the best place to follow along, if you don't want to just check out baldmove.com uh, every once in a while, is go to your favorite uh, podcast app and search for Bald Move TV or Bald Movies, and you'll find those feeds. You can subscribe to those, and again, those get weekly activity, and it's a great way to check up with what's going on at the in the Bald Move Empire. You can also follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bald Move. Uh, coming up this week, though, Bald Move TV, we did an early look at the documentary This Giant Beast That Is the Global Economy last week, and it led to some interesting conversation about economics and politics in the TV feed. This week, we're going to come back and finish it. We're going to finish that documentary, the other six parts to it. And next week, we'll be looking at uh, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, which is the new Netflix original, and the directorial debut, debut of one chew- uh Chiwetella Giafor. <laughs> really? So close. Chiwetelled on that name. So close. <laughs> so close to rehearsaling it on the first tra- my first try. <laughs> also, we'll be looking at the horror, uh, the Hulu horror anthology series Into the Darkness Treehouse episode. And also last week, if you missed it, we had full coverage of the Netflix original Roma, which made some Oscar noise for its director in the Oscar ceremony this last weekend. So if you want to check that out, uh, please do so. And finally, if you're a club member, uh, get excited because season three of Quit Your Pitching, the quips are coming back and they're coming back strong. Next Wednesday is going to be the first episode of that. Going to be a little mini season before we kind of uh, uh, do a Walking Dead style break off the season for uh, Game of Thrones. And we'll probably resume it later in the year. But uh, we'll get some quip action for the club members. That's what's going on here at BaldMove.com. Um, so in the recap, I'm going to take some liberties with the timeline because there's a couple of, uh, s- s- spare time whiskers that need to be shaved away. And there's a couple of just needlessly confusing things. I'm going to try to straighten out in the recap because that's what y'all pay me to do. Uh, so at some indeterminate time between 1990 and 2015, uh, we see that Amelia is still teaching West finger, middle finger, uh, high school or elementary school, K through 12 school apparently uh she's quoting um uh calmly we walked through this april's day by delmore schwartz uh wayne apparently is chief of campus security for the university of arkansas and is bringing his wife an apple at the end of her day you know because that's what you do with teachers and uh it's cute it's cute they seem like this was this was this was actually new information to me because i assumed that they're going to continue their estrangement but it seems like they pulled their marriage out of a steep nose dive and kind of had a happily ever after until she died um maybe maybe happily ever after yeah i'm trying to trying to decipher at the end of this that's one of the big questions that still so hangs there is some scholarship that has been sent in through feedback it's pretty convincing 
Okay. Um, if you guys want to, if you guys, because uh, I know a lot of people don't listen to the feedback, but the short of it is there's a lot of evidence on screen in the first two episodes that kind of establishes that Amelia died about two years before 2015. Uh, and oh, they okay. They yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not wondering like, right. oh, did they get back together? I knew oh, that. Oh, oh. I, I was wondering like, what was the t- the tenor of their relationship? It seems like because like finding out the daughter that they're not even at odds, or maybe they are. That, that's something I want to talk about later when we get to that scene. Yeah. Um. But that's that's the beginning of the episode, and that's the like I said, that's in 27 or 2007, maybe ish. Judging by, uh, I, I I also like his staff photo. Like the one that's on his badge from his his security badge, it literally looks like it was taken the day and like he joined in 1990. Oh boy, it's one of those things where this dude, this 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 old this this crusty dude is walking around with a 15 year old security photo because why the no, hell update it? That's right, yeah, just makes you look worse. Uh, 19. Okay, so in the 1980s, we see that Wayne is hauled in front of, uh, among others, the attorney general, uh, the attorney Cant, who later becomes a state attorney general, mm-hmm. to answer for the article that Amelia has since written for the local newspapers that just accuses them of judicial malfeasance. That, let's be honest, hits the nail on the head. Yes. No. She <laughs> she makes entirely accurate uh, observations from informed sources and is devastating to the police department and to the prosecutor's office. Uh-huh. And they are really provocative to Wayne. They're like, you know, using words like you did. Come on, just say you're pussy struck by this damn woman, you know, uh, and, and if if he repudiates her publicly he can keep his job if not they're going to bust him down to public information which apparently is a fate it seems like it's a fate worse than death for wayne yeah i mean i see that room that he ends up in it doesn't look like a fun place to work (laughs) no it looks like a place where people's (laughs) happiness and joy go to die yeah um but uh and then i i like to see the integrity from from wayne here honestly like he he could have rolled over and done the tricks they wanted him to do and saved his career, but fuck them. I like it. I also like, uh, or I like, uh, West quoting the late, great Marcellus Wallace. That's a, you feel oh, that, you feel that, pride. you feel that sting <laughs> there, Wayne. That's pride fucking with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, and you know, and I like this episode cause it shows us all the betrayals that's happened in this relationship because it, it's not so much that Wayne walked out on the job because I think Roland could actually respect and admire that. Um, once he gets over the anger of like putting his ass on the line and, and Wayne stopping mud through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, when Wayne says, Hey, come on, man, it's not, like we're not going to ever see each other again. We'll grab a beer. We'll go see games. We'll just hang out. We'll have to, and that's just a total fucking lie. Yeah. Like obviously Wayne got busy and there's pr- looks sounds like a surprise pregnancy and like kind of life took off and he's probably hanging out with Roland would probably be painful because of their stature in life. But See, it was pretty shitty. I thought it was really shitty. Like is what, it? In, in context, I, I feel like this is a normal part of life, and so I'm a lot like Wayne in this regard. Like, yeah. if I, if if life isn't kind of pushing me toward people, yeah, I'm sort of they're falling off my radar. It's not like I have any malice. It's not like I want to be distant from okay. them. I would actually enjoy spending time with them. It's just that you know, it's but it's hard th- to so, keep so, in touch with people. It's hard to stay close to people unless I you agree. really want to do it. And even then, you can only do it with like three four people at a time um so i understand wayne just like look i i have best intentions here i want to spend time with you it just it never happened i in the context that wayne says that this is he's he's been on his job 12 years which i implied a lot of that has been with west as his partner sure 
I'm just going to say that if whenever we roll bald move up, if you fuck off to Italy and I never hear from you again, I'm going to haunt you, sir. You'll hear from me. It'll just I'm, be when you have your dogs. I, 25 I'm, years later. I'm going to come for you. OK, that's great. Because like that's a what I want. assassin. Look, this is what I want. I <laughs> I don't have the the mental or emotional energy to keep in touch with people. So if you want to come after me, I am more than welcome that. Uh, how nice <laughs> I for just you, can't. I, will I say. can't do it. I can't come after people to hound them to be my friend. Um. <laughs> so Wayne is then shown the public information ropes, which looks like I mean, they're the whole like you are, you know, no, I just think that's like if you're working a place with no windows and a sign that says no personal phone calls you're in hell mm-hmm. you're in hell i've been in hell i'm not in hell right now this is actually a fucking amazing job but holy shit that's a that's a fluorescent lighting and excessive click clacking oh, yeah. no privacy and uh you know in the 80s you're a black man and you're a bullpen full of white women like that's not going to be a good time for him that's and not the, what he the, was put on earth to do he feels like the cops that you know used to be sort of under you on the totem pole are now coming to you to get information on bullshit things like yeah yeah, you're going to have people walking in there and go and look at this idiot. Yeah, right. All and the like, time. And also this thing about like, I, do you think West, this was a nice recovery or like telling when he goes, you know, people are going to be saying stuff and and Wayne immediately snaps. What are they saying? And he's like, well, that you were a professional. I'm trying to think that is this because sh- my read is that I think Wayne is right on that he has there has been a racial racial bias against him. Um, and yeah. there's every once in a while the show reminds us of that. And so are you with me that you think that way that like that was a quick covery by, by uh, Roland or do you think? Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> or maybe, maybe he truly doesn't see it. I, I think he stated is this in the nicest way possible. Mm. I think what he was actually saying here is you're making a huge fucking mistake and your reputation the the thing that I think about you is about to not be true, or or like I because I got it was almost like look these dudes on top are about to make you an honorary white man. You have finally like you have worked the proverbial ten times harder, and you are <laughs> you are going to get a a a measure of their esteem and 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 the rewards that come there with, and you're about to go fuck it up and prove that like, you're just hot headed, blah blah blah. And you know I. I don't know. It's it, a lot like last week when the N word was kind of like floating in the room. I felt like it was kind of in the, you know, not maliciously, but like that's kind of what the the show has kind of been dancing with this whole season. Hmm. Um, So we, we talked about like, you know, how shitty the situation is. Well, um, Wayne is about to take off all take out all of this shitty feelings that he's got about his new station life on Amelia because apparently he's ghosted her. She shows up at his house and he tries to give her her shit and say, get out of here. And she is not going to go quietly. Uh, This is a pretty, pretty powerful scene. But if people (sighs) are already fed up with the Wayne and Amelia dance, I could see it not landing. I'm not. I'm not fed up with the Wayne and Amelia dance. What I am is side eyeing Amelia and and kind of thinking, okay, this this head shitting bird that he's talking about is is not actually completely untrue. Right. As much as Amelia looks at him and says, "Fuck you, you have me all wrong," mm-hmm. I think she's wrong. I think there is a bit of her book in this case, and we see as much, you know, in the yeah. '90s when they have this conversation. But I mean, again, last week Wayne told her to do this, so. 
I don't, I don't know. And the other thing is, yeah, no, it's yeah, they're both complicit in this. Like, uh-huh. and they they have that conversation in the nineties that says that. But right. I, I I do think it's like it's fair from both sides, in as much as it's unfair from both sides. You know, mm. like they're both playing a little dirty here. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. It, it's a good scene. I mean, I think that what I what I found remarkable is. Um, Essentially, that Amelia finds a way, and you know, I guess we can just go ahead and talk about this. Where she she storms out. Um, it doesn't storm out. She regally glides out and says, "Fuck you! I'm not taking out your garbage." And then he's left to kind of impotently be like, "I don't want this shit in my house." I was like, "Well, okay, <laughs> she ain't throw coming back for it, dude. Throw it in the street, right? Throw it out, or just do something. Put it in a barrel and burn it, right?" And um, but she later tracks him down at the VFW, knowing that that's where she's going to be, and be like, "Look." You're being an unimaginable prick and asshole, but I'm I'm remembering the fact that you are probably carrying a whole bunch of unaddressed trauma from the war on top of all the shit that you've been through in the last few weeks. And I'm going to give you a chance to tell me what you actually want to happen. Mm-hmm. And he fucking doubles down and offers marriage, which I'm like, I mean, ah, this felt felt a little bit like emotional pornography for men. Like if you if you are like this damaged, wounded animal asshole, a woman like this will find you and and find out the core of you and pierce into that and heal you. Like, I mean, uh, and and then that you can then take upon that foundation and immediately start a marriage off of it. Like that's that's like sixteen year olds in high school getting married and then it works out and they live happily ever after. Like that's a script you can pull, but man, it's like on the border of being unrealistic, but I felt like the show I'm cool with it because the show has portrayed it rightfully as a struggle from both ends. Yeah, it has. And I don't think you can talk about this scene without the context, which is, you know, old man Wayne sitting on the porch and this zoom in to his eye. This is sort of, and then the lead out to this, you know, which is the, the Vietnam, Mm -hmm. I won't even call it a flashback. I would call it a, a, I don't know. It's it's not a flashback. It's what's going on in his own head. It's representative of his new place in his own life, that kind of thing. It's representative of the illness that's taking over, all those things. But, like, I'm trying to figure out where, I guess, how Wayne feels about this particular thing that he's remembering, this scene from his life. Uh Uh, Because this is a moment that I felt was... (sighs) was couched in some kind of uh, dishonesty around the edges, but at the center of it, I think they, they broke through to the true feeling that Wayne had here, mm-hmm. which is that he loved this woman. He didn't think he would ever feel that way about anybody. Right. And so when he did, it was an extremely powerful moment. And I, that's why I think this is the last memory that he has mm-hmm. is sort of, this is, this is the soldier. This is the old Wayne fading into the background as whatever the new Wayne is takes over. And that's probably, that's probably a man who doesn't know what fucking time of day it is. Like this is the last bit of him, right? Hmm. See, I, I, that's a really good interpretation. I think it might be my new favorite. I was looking at the Bagheera angle that this is just, you know, jungle books imagery that this, you know, this man is able to smash his own cage uh, and showed him how he did it the first time with Amelia's help. And now he's done it just, you know, with his own. And also it's kind of like him, you know, being like reconning into the future and it's dark and it's scary and it's going to be it's going to be dangerous for this old man, quite frankly. But he's got a re- like he's on a he's, he's got a reason to survive the mission now where we started this season where he was practically with a gun in his mouth. But I really like I really like your interpretation. 
Yeah, I read that. I guess it's the, the warrior Wayne is like he's finally fading off into the jungle. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. he's just receding into the wilderness, and you know it's it's scary and it's dark and it's probably a little bit sad, but uh, but I don't know. It's 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 also weird because when we get to the 2015s, we'll talk about mm-hmm. some of the scenes that lead up to that. Right. But there there is a like sweet part of that bitter note mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should we move into the 90s? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, so it turns out, even though the, both Hoyt and Hayes are master hunters, this is going to be a fishing expedition. As the men kind of duel around their gaps in each other's knowledge about the shit that they've done. And ultimately, all uh, you know, Wayne skillfully navigates it, doesn't admit to anything, uh, successfully kind of Im- intimidates as Hoyt as much as he can, and runs the older man off, but he's going to have to walk home as uh, as a penalty. He's going to have to walk out of this here forest. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I think, I think Michael Rooker had a very hard task to do, which is to do not make this scene be even me- more meaningless than it was written to be, which is already pretty fucking meaningless. And he just with the, force of being michael rooker was able to like flip the conversation three separate times where i'm like oh man is way the ooh, ooh, i'd crack right here if i was wayne uh but you know i'm, right. not, I'm not purple haze so what no you- i mean i i love this scene i think yeah. this scene has some of the best dialogue in the entire episode mm-hmm. uh that little sort of cat and mouse they're playing with the truth mm-hmm. here uh figuring out what each other knows it's yeah. a real good. It's a real good duel. It's real. It, it is real good. Um, and and the, you know, that final moment where he's, you know, you don't want to threaten me, that kind right. of thing. Like, yeah. you, not because I will kill you, but because I will take the legally justified means of proving that you're a murderer. Yeah, no, I'll break <laughs> and you. that will destroy your family. He's right. not. He's not like threatening violence upon his family. He's threatening viol- violence upon. Wayne's freedom. I think there's a little bit of family. I think there's also a little bit of menace. This is a man who has absolutely nothing to lose. He's got an alcohol problem. He's seen he read paranoid to me surrounded by these armed goons, you know? Well, I'm trying to figure out how much Hoyt is actually involved in this. Mr. Hoyt. Um, It sounds like not like he found out after the fact and like, you know, but it's hard for me to believe that, that a man goes on safari and doesn't notice that there is a pink castle with a vault door in his basement. Well, he no, he had to. No, I think I think he was complicit in. There's going to be a secret adoption. Okay, but because there's yeah, there's no fucking way they built that structure without him knowing it. So he'd know all about Julie Purcell. But he, I don't think he knew that like about Will. Oh, he'd have to though. The second they showed up dead, and I guess then it's just like he's just like went along with the cover up. And because what what is he going to do? Have his daughter like who is now happy and has her her surrogate daughter back he's going to like break that up it's i mean it's, so he it's was like, out of town on safari i know when the actual killing or the accident and the kidnapping happened yeah uh yeah but yeah that doesn't explain how in the future he wouldn't get wind of it and well be it's, complicit. it's so interesting because they're i think pizzolato is trying to set up this thing where if you let the initiating event slide everyone's decisions make a sort of sense like it's like yeah and then if you look at that one thing well you know it's a damn shame the will died but what is you know what 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 blowing this up now what's it going to do is it going to make julie happy is it going to put her in a better situation is lucy and uh tom going to get their shit to get no no that's going to happen so like i 
like I said, I, I think the right thing to do, obviously, is to go to the police the second any of this shit starts happening. If you are like a Mr. Watts or anybody else that had wind of this situation, if you're a Mr. Hoyt, but, you know, I I can certainly understand. Uh, again, this is people said this after episode one. This is a reverse raising Arizona. And it's that's exactly, exactly right. Mm -hmm. All the motivations, all the rationalizations. uh, One was a farce. This was more of a serious kind of contemplation about life and death. But they they, that it's that's 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 the plot. So presumably Wayne walks back to the VFW, calls Amelia, who meets him there later that afternoon. And she wants to know, are you cheating on me? What the fuck? All the things we talked about last week. And he says, "Okay, I'm not going to tell you the truth. But I'm going to offer you a grand bargain to save our marriage and your personal safety and to make all this go away. I will we will both walk away from this case. I will quit police work. And there's a really touching scene is that she said, you're the type of guy that could do anything. But you came back convinced this is why you're put on Earth and it's it's trapped you in this in this in this shitty job. And they also reveal another heartbreaking thing was he said that he joined up uh, Vietnam because he thought his mom would be rich. If if he died there, like he get ten ten thousand dollars, ten thousand bucks. That's a lot of money in the seventies, but still, Jesus, Uh, just just goes to show you what he thought his life was worth, right? Yeah. And uh, the 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 bargain is she walks away from the sequel to the book and tells another story, some story that doesn't wrap, continue to wrap their marriage up in this this death and disappearance, and he'll quit police work. Um. It just strains my credibility that that uh, Amelia would go along with that. But I think that she trusts Wayne enough to know that it's I don't know, like, because what would Amelia do if he's like, look, I beat a man to death and then shot him out of his misery Mm -hmm. because he was connected to the disappearance of Julie. Like, I honestly don't know what the fuck she'd say. Yeah, I don't either. I'm and I don't know that I like the fact that he just like 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 what Amelia complained about seems right on you don't get to make that call what 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 i'm going to be happy with as far as information disclosure yeah i mean i i guess i agree with that i'm i'm it's weird because i know that you're you're, okay so you're saying amelia maybe is on the borderline of of being understandable when she ditches this book being too cool uh but I, I, I definitely view that as like the sacrifice that they're both making. He's making the sacrifice of no, no longer concerning himself with this case, even though I think he still desperately wants to. Mm. Uh, he's been a little bit shaken by Hoyt, but she's also making the sacrifice of no longer doing this book for this situation that was created by this case, which is their family, right? Like, okay, th- whatever their relationship is at this point, they do have a couple of kids now right things are you know they're they're invested in other ways than just the the me and you part of this right no i i see the reasons to stay let me ask you this so i think that's just the thing that overrides that whatever desire amelia feels to pursue this as a career angle Mm -hmm. this book Mm -hmm. um and also i think she does like look at the way she reads that poetry right she Mm -hmm. very much loves that sort of of literature Mm mm-hmm Whereas she's writing true crime, I don't know that that's right. like her her real passion. Right. And I think Wayne says as much in this scene that you can go back to doing the thing that you really want to do. The book that you really want to write is not based on this case. Yeah. 
Do you think if the roles were reversed and Amelia had gone out to follow a lead up with something and she comes home at three o'clock in the morning and is burning her dress in the, <laughs> the, 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 the trash bin, do you think Wayne is cool with her being like, okay, okay, we're going to do over at the point of me burning my clothes and you walk away and I walk away and we'll be cool. And I feel I like know. that. So I'm saying like I get it, but it's also horseshit at some fundamental mm-hmm. level. And I think that he's I, I think coming from the the man side of this, yes, yes. it is more acceptable. I think societally, okay, we, we, we allow men to be more closed off than women, I think. Sure. And to not reveal certain things about themselves. But fundamentally I think it's he's either selling Amelia short and she would understand and accept the decision and the position yeah, yeah. she was in, or he's forcing her to live with a person that she would find completely unacceptable to live with. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, is, it's, it's, is Wayne going to change? It's so interesting to put because this is what I think is so interesting about the season is how it's very, like I said, lyrical that like mm-hmm. this situation, but a completely different one repeats itself with Henry. Right. And he says, hey, you should, you know, and unless you're going to stick with it or break things off like you don't, you shouldn't you, you shouldn't turn over this 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 log and reveal all the slimy, ugly things, which. I kind of thought was good advice as far as it goes. I mean, the best advice is don't fucking cheat on your mate. Yeah, that's a good one. Second advice is <laughs> if you just did it once and you didn't contract the disease and you didn't get anybody pregnant and you feel bad about it and like, I guess, keep it secret. Jesus, I my, my life's goal is to not put myself in that position because she. Yeah, it's a it's a bad situation to be in. And I don't I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, that's a tough. One. But I like I don't know. Like I said, it. It did feel like it was bound on she trusted, if nothing else, Wayne's, I guess, inherent goodness or the fact that he tries to be a good man. And mm-hmm. I think we've seen that several times where yeah. like a, a, a other protagonist in a dark male centered drama would have slapped her, or punched her or walked out or threatened her or tried to storm off at the kids or done some Walter White or James Gandolfini shit. But he's always tried to when he gets scared, go with vulnerability and it does seem to suit him well. And there's also a kernel of the truth about, look, I, you kind of intimidate me and I want your approval. And that makes me sometimes do things that are against my own personal morality. That's also Mm -hmm. a really key insight um, that to have with, with men and women's relationship. But yeah. And I guess if we haven't, if we hadn't seen, you know, the compelling reasons uh, that, that Wayne is doing some of the, let's say, uh, less honorable things that he's doing, like beating up potential yeah. uh, suspects, things yeah. like that. Like sure. Going after Harris James. Yeah. I find it really hard with the knowledge we have to say that that's a bad exactly. move. And that that was a huge morally reprehensible thing to do. The so, only thing you can say is the same thing you say about all vigilantism. Like if right. you can make the case, make the fucking case. If not... You don't get to beat someone to death on your private suspicions, you know? Yeah, so I'm with you when you say, like, Wayne is a good man trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And I kind of grant him this leniency when he says, I don't think I should tell you about this because it won't do any good. Right. And I'm trying to do the right thing here. Right. Uh, I will say there's another thing. This guy is pretty fucking ballsy announcing his intention to never read his wife's life works. Like what? I think the it's an admission of, that they're different people. Like I'm not gonna read the kind of book you're gonna write. I think there's some things where like the not putting in the effort to at least like again, dude. You, this is me not liking Roma. Like 
If if I was married to someone who did your girlfriend write and direct and produce Roma? If if I was married to someone who <laughs> and did you if, refuse to watch it? If I was married to someone who okay, made a okay. film that, that that they said is exactly like Roma, it's it is my version of Roma. And you've seen fifteen Romas and you've hated every single one. This is my version of that. Yeah, I'd say look, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Well, okay. All What's right, the then. point? If if I'm gonna hate it, like why would I? Why would I then invite the conversation? What did you think of my film? I mean, let's just agree that we're different people, and like, let's live I think with it's that. All, I think it would be super. Like here, I mean, my if you if you're asking me honestly, I think the appropriate response would be like, "So, sweetie, what would you think of my Roma clone?" And you'd be like, "I hated it, darling." And she's like, "Well, I appreciate you taking the time to watch it anyway." Or she'd be super offended that you hated but her then film. She's, like, then, then, then she's the asshole. I but feel why like would I, she be? Why would she? <laughs> why would you be the asshole saying look i'm gonna hate this i don't want to have to tell you that i hate your work because presumably the person spent like years of their life making that and like even if you nah. don't hate it like seeing their vision come to life disagree strongly disagree too and we we yeah. <laughs> that we can we can we can agree to do so I'm exactly going to find exactly and, i'm gonna come point. and find and kill you in italy <laughs> uh let's see oh so you know how uncool steven dorf looked in those blue commercials Yes. He looked equally and exactly oppositely fucking cool when he walks into his biker bar and strikes up that very real cigarette. Yeah. Cigarette smoking is really fucking stupid, but Stephen Dorff should never smoke it. He should always smoke real cigarettes because he, he looks like he looks like James Dean. If James Dean didn't die at like age 25. Yeah. No, How you're the right. fuck? How? Jesus. This guy is a rev- revelation. I want CGI James Dean as Wolverine in the next movie. Damn Let's straight. Let's make it happen. Damn straight. This this is a total... You, this is a cold open for a Wolverine movie, this scene. <laughs> uh, it's completely de- indefensibly, morally, ethically... Uh, uh-huh. it, it's, it's like, yeah, like if you grant that everyone in this biker bar are really, really bad people... It's still pretty rough to come up to the biggest, ugliest one and say, call his his woman a woolly mammoth and call him a, a presumptive woolly mammoth fucker. But it's fucking hilarious to watch. OK, I loved every second of this scene. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really funny. And he's really good at it. And he believably kicks this guy a bit much bigger guy's ass. Mm-hmm. Um, he like gets under his guard and uh, uh, to the ribs. Um, I think his man doesn't walk out of this place alive. though. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, that's they made these guys too fucking dangerous looking like these don't look like yuppies with, you know, brand new Harleys and, and Harley Davidson logo leather. These are like dangerous customers. How the fuck does he walk out of here with like he just essentially has glamour bruising. Uh-huh. And he's and, he's also and, did you notice he stole a bottle of whiskey from the bartender is drinking the bar's whiskey in their parking lot? I assumed that was what happened because it's got one of those pours in it. There, so there's only one explanation. <laughs> yeah, he literally beat up everyone in that bar. He emerged victorious. That's the only way he walks out of there. Right? He must have. Yeah, you're right. I think he did Wolverine his way out of that. There, there's a trail of bodies. There's got to be. He whooped everyone <laughs> and then he took the bartender's whiskey and went and drank victoriously in the parking lot. That's amazing. Um, and then, I mean, did, what'd you think about the, um, what'd you think about the dog, the genesis of his one man dog rescue? I liked it. It, it was a good moment. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like it maybe as much as some people loved it. But, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's good. It's a nice payoff too. Cause they, they did have this like where for whatever reason, Roland's the, you know, one out of 10 people that hate dogs and he ends up being, you know, befriended by this, this, uh, stray mutt. 
and uh, yeah, it's a nice, nice little grace note to the character. Yeah, I think um, he realizes he's the mutt. Well, I also think that this is his second betrayal because my understanding is that Wayne has told him that he's dropped like after they've done and killed this murder most foul, he's dropping the case and retiring from being a cop. Can you imagine hearing that if you're fucking uh, Lieutenant West? That's got to be pretty heavy, right? Yeah, yeah um, I guess so. So I got to ask a question because this is another thing that Reddit was kind of buzzing about. We talked about it previously. Do you think that uh, Roland is gay or perhaps bisexual or to say another way? Do you think that there's an aspect of uh, romantic love between Roland and Wayne? Let me let me let me. I, OK, so per- uh, no, I, I, I didn't pick that up. Okay. If, if that's what they were putting down, it was lost on me. Okay. Uh, I just don't see the the evidence for it. All right. Like, if you want to say being friends with a gay man makes you gay, that right. seems so fucking at okay. odds with everything that I know. Yeah. Um. We had somebody. Uh. We we had a person that wrote in. Uh. And the case, like Professor Horn from H Town, and he's the case for Roland being gay is essentially like you said, Tom conclusively. Mm-hmm. Was gay they had a close uh friendship um he also from his opinion as a man from texas uh that men don't like speak as intimately to each other as like uh roland does with tom and roland does with wayne um and that's where the issue i have is like i think that's the stereotypical truth of men but mm-hmm. i also think it's incredibly damaging and it's not true for more and more of us like we do with our intimate male friends talk about our marriages and our kids and our fears and our jobs and uh like he- he- healthy ones do anyway mm-hmm. um but you, you know maybe like i said in the 1980s 1990s it's a little you're supposed to understand it's a little bit more uh repressed um but i, I don't know like I, I again i feel like in the fact that he's a bachelor but like he also could just be fucked like i think he broke up with the his his woman that he lived with the suburbs because he just fucking killed a guy yeah and then his friend that he had this stormy relationship with left him high and dry for it again. He probably had some problems with his career. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's a bad. I think he's a broken bachelor just because he's just bitter about the way the last fifteen years went. Myself, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I I didn't think much of those uh, those uh, rumors either. Um, and, and let me just point out: ultimately, the show doesn't care to tell you. Yeah. Why do you care to know? I mean, I think that like it puts some the the so the non nefarious reason would be you're trying to get a new light on perhaps Wayne manipulating Roland in the same ways that he felt manipulated by Amelia, which would that, add another kind of lyrical layer to this. I don't know. I think all that works in, in when we're talking about that Tom Roland relationship in terms of friendship as well. Like, of, of I mean, if you're you well, know, it's if, the same if someone way, wants to speculate right. or to hypothesize that like right people can't be platonically as close as they can be if they have unrealized uh like what's 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 the other type of love like a like a romantic love mm-hmm, right. for each other right then i i would balk at that hypothesis i would say i don't think that's true at all i think friendship can be very powerful right uh especially when you know forged in the fires of a trauma like this right so I don't I don't think I need that layer to really get the relationship between like Wayne and Roland or Roland and Tom like right. 
all that kind of made sense to me over the course of this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of like um, how people always look to see, like, is there like gay overtones or like Kirk and Spock and Frodo and Sam and all this because so they can write fanfic. Well, not only that, but like, I think for a long time, if, you, if you're looking for gay representation in literature, you're not oh, sure. finding many heroes. Yeah, yeah. So you make them where you get them. And then like, you know, this, I guess if one re possible reaction to this criticism is that there's two gay men in this season. One is villainous and the other is like, kind of an alcoholic loser um, having Roland be like, just, you know, a cool dude be, would, would kind of balance that out. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think nowadays that like it's getting representations getting better that we don't maybe need to go looking, beating the bushes for, for not, it. not as hard, but I'm, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'll, uh, I'll let that uh, conversation uh, play out in the communities it needs to play out in. Yeah. I think that puts the rest to 1990. So let's move into 2015 Old man Roland and Wayne track down the one-eyed black man via a former connection to the Blue Sky Ranching nursing home, which is where Harris's wife, widow, works. Um, and she recalls Harris meeting this man, uh, remembers his name is Junius, and Ro um, Roland's able to put together just Junius Watts and uh, find out. He's really got the bit between his teeth now. He's had this person tracked down. He's also found out that the old... What uh Hoyt estate is held in trust by the company. It's empty and they're going to have a little field trip out there. Uh, I really like the, well, I guess you're the lead detective now, Lieutenant West. And he's like, God damn right. <laughs> um, and then it's really, and it only this, took 45 years for it to happen. <laughs> this part of the, I thought this part of this episode is really cute. Them riding up to the gates and like, you know, way too late. Wayne's like, what, what happens if someone ca catches us? Like, We're just two old men. We're lost and confused. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's so fucking funny. And um, I mean, so they get in this house and there's no overt security and they've left the secret child abduction chamber unlocked and they're able to go down there and gawk about and they're playing ominous music and it is what we thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a little bit of recrimination where that I felt was toothless. If I was going to have one critique of the episode as these old men didn't feel like they felt like they should really be raging about what, Oh my God, we let this girl be lost for 15 years. And it, it, it started to ignite, but that never actually went anywhere. And it felt like neither one of them had much enthusiasm for that line of uh, argument. Yeah. I don't know. It might have been boring to watch him argue about the blame because like it's it felt, do at this point and it, felt, it felt so perfunctory. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there is a little jab where, you know, Wayne essentially excuses his bailing on the case by saying he had a family and Wes saying that might be nice or must be nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Wayne and Roland manage to track down Mr. Watts and confront them. And there's this cool trick or maybe. If you weren't digging the episode, it was tedious where the episode, the camera kept rotating around the car and seeing these men in the same car, but in like all their different 80s, 90s and, and so on looks like loading their guns. And I thought it was pretty yeah. cool. I did, too. Um, it's it's if nothing else, a pretty cool effect shot. Uh, and, and I kind of like just tying it. I think the scene is more trying to tie it thematically together. Right. Yeah. Like This hunt is all coming to a head here in right. this moment. Right. 
and they've tracked down Mr. Junius Watts. He's tending to his chickens. He's got a really nice fucking sedan for the shitty house and chicken coop he happens to live in. I don't understand. <laughs> he's got that, that Hoyt money. That Hoyt money, and he always spends it on his wheels. They yeah. reveal that he's the one that's been staking out Wayne's house, that it's because he's been working up the nerve to tell him to forget about the investigation. I, too, found this that aspect of the little horse shitty. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe a person actually does that, especially after someone, I don't know, comes after him with a bat. No, I, I think this kicks off the worst scene of the episode. Yeah. Which is the giant info dump that just explains everything that happened uh, with the case and is not thrilling in any conceivable way. No. Oh, I mean, so a lot of people said that this is, but to be fair, this is a... Uh, a mystery novel trope. This is straight Agatha Christie. This mm-hmm. is straight, uh, you know, Hercule Perot uh, telling you everything that he's deduced over the novel in one big kind of go. It feels a little old timey and archaic to me. That's but... the thing. Yeah. yeah. Everybody you're mentioning is like 100 years yeah, old at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it, I'm sure it was super thrilling for the caveman to ignite the first fire. <laughs> when I do it with my <laughs> fucking <laughs> Bic, it ain't. It ain't no thing, you know? <laughs> Going back to cavemen on Pizzolatto. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Shit has evolved in storytelling, man. Uh, So, they, I mean, there, there's a lot of details we didn't know. The fact that, uh, you know, this Watts was uh, the household man. He got blinded in the factory back when Hoyt was a small-time guy, and Hoyt felt bad and kind of took him in, made him a household manager. Uh, You know, they revealed the, the, the truth about Isabel and that they were a well-adjusted family until her family got killed in a car accident. And then she got on lithium and kind of went off the deep end and at an employee picnic, which I th- think was new information or maybe was hinted in one episode. I yeah, it, it was new to me. I hadn't paid attention enough to right. know that apparently, but it made it made sense, you know, because uh, Lucy was working at the right on the chicken line then. But it's kind of like in like in Sharp Objects that they'd left out the episode with the festival. Like that's okay. This is a pretty big, but but why would we know, right? Um, yeah. At the, this co- company uh, picnic, all the families are at the Hoyt residence, and Isabel sees Julie, confuses her for her lost daughter Mary, tries to abduct her, and this sets off a plan where they're going to try to take Julie from the troubled Lucy, and Lucy seems to be cool with it. Um, but in the meantime, where they're hashing out these details, as people widely assumed. Uh, Isabel was going out there with Mr. Watts and uh, playing with the children in the forest. There was a scuffle because I doubt that her brother Will was in on the deal. Yeah. And uh, there was a scuffle where they tried to take Julie and Will uh, was pushed by Isabel. That's the other thing we didn't know, that there was a little volition to the killing. Mm. Um, He died. Mr. Watts popped pawned it off like it was an act like he was just knocked unconscious and they had to leave. Um, and then to keep control of Julie, uh, uh, Isabel went off her lithium and started giving it to the child, which holy shit, uh, which led her to deteriorate in her condition. Long story short, very long story short, uh, Mr. Watts, once uh, Julie got to be a teenager and is not so thrilled about living in the Pink Palace, arranges to have her escape and meet him at a safe house. But she fucks off into the night. Yeah. Uh, the trail then, and it was it. You just delivered the scene word for word, with the same amount of enthusiasm and drama yeah. as came through on the screen. Yeah, and I guess I maybe I feel more let down, except for <laughs> I was just like, uh huh, uh huh. Like uh-huh. all this was tracking, yeah. all this was tracking. Yeah, like it's it's. But that's a... the thing that let me down. It was just like, uh huh. 
This is the thing I know. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, another thing I know. Yep. Got that. All right. Where's the new info? Nope. Okay, thanks. Uh, Didn't need that scene. Also, Cyclops motherfucker, not one of Roland's finest moments. It's not that creative. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Should have burned back Mr. Deadwood for that for that line. Maybe punch (laughs) punch that up. Yeah. Uh, Al Swearingen wouldn't be caught dead with those words in his mouth. Um, We also find that uh, Isabella eventually kills herself. Um, Watts was able to later track Julie down to this covenant or convent, not covenant, this convent that Amelia visited earlier in the 90s sequence. And um we then go follow that trail and they find out that julie did in fact come there as mary june became a nun for several years but unfortunately in a very Ginny from forrest gump twist she contracted hiv in her journeys and 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 died in 95 hmm. so that's that is a bummer um there is i guess it it is kind of interesting how they left Watts to kind of take care of himself. Like neither one of these men are willing to add another stain on their soul by killing him, but they kind mm-hmm. of encourage him to do so gesturing yeah, yeah, to yeah. his cabinet full of long guns. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to live with it, then don't, um, then fucking don't. Yeah. So they apologize to her grave. And then if you didn't see this next, if you didn't figure out the, the, the episodes lone remaining twist after they bump into Lucy, who stumbles out uh, under the care of her father, Mike uh, Arduin, uh, who has been caring for this covenant for low these many years, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I guess you got a nice surprise at the end of the episode. <laughs> I mean, it's not this is not a, an amazing twist. No, and like these next couple minutes are rough because I'm just now impatiently waiting for them to get to the or I, I th- thought maybe at this point I'm like, well, maybe they actually won't that this will be like an under like this will be for the fans understanding that Wayne and Roland are don't get their closure. But this ultimately is serving to protect Julie and her new life that seems to be, you know, judging by Mike and her daughter Lucy going very well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought it was going to be like this understated like maybe debated by the fans in the same way Inception is debated kind of plot twist, but alas, no. Yeah. I, th- I think there's still room to question what happens after the end of this season with Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Hmm. Uh, so like I said, they commiserate about not having closure, even though they're at the end of the story. And there's a cute scene where Roland essentially invites himself to move in with, uh, <laughs> with Wayne and he, they tease each other about having a yeah. neat house and having too many dogs. And then you find out Henry's invited Roland to the family dinner where, surprise, Becca's coming back. She's not dead. She's alive. She actually <laughs> just was out in L.A. She's not even pissed at her father. She's not even pissed at her father. She's scared and worried and affectionate with him. So Yeah, dude, I this, this is another moment that sort of felt like going for the mundane was a bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that's the point. They're going for... You know, not everything has to be the most amazing dramatic turn ever, but right. I I kind of thought Rebecca would be a bigger deal. Right. The, the one thing it does show uh, is is like I said before that Wayne is a person who lets who who lets friendships fall by the wayside. Really, in in and I don't know why he does it after you know like are you counting his daughter in in this too? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think he's the guy that just didn't didn't call, didn't talk to his hmm. daughter. Uh, he had other things that he was doing. Life got in the way, and 
Yeah, they just lost touch. That's the impression I got. I see. I thought that like he'd learned his lesson. It's just that he they're playing off his fractured memory that he just like didn't remember that she'd gone to L.A. And they you know, it's been a while since I don't know. And there's oh, also maybe. I want to talk a little bit when we get to the actual scene. There might actually be something to where there was a little bit of estrangement. Um, we could talk about that. Uh, but yeah, like if you were surprised or if you didn't catch the the, the twist with Lucy coming uh, the ghost of Amelia's past shows up. There's a cool little camera trick where like the lights kind of like get sucked out of the room and very much the same way that the scary, the kind of scarier, creepier ghost showed up in an earlier season. Uh, but she quotes some poetry to him by Robert Penn Warren and just explains everything. The fact that these nuns and the covenant circled around Lucy and when Mike stepped forward to help her reclaim her identity and resume their love affair, which Apparently he'd loved her since he was 10 years old. Uh, then they, it's kind of like this kind of triumphant note for women that these women kind of came up with this plan, executed it and, you know, committed some kind of legal fiction about this woman being dead. Uh, I thought, I thought it was a, a reasonably sweet twist. I think it was clumsily told in the end, but I, I liked it. Yeah. And it, it certainly fooled genius. Um, but with the help of Amelia here and her book, it can't fool Wayne. I think that's, you know, this scene is made much better by this not simply being, you know, like like this being representative of the memory that he has of Amelia and the the fact he's finally reading the book. Right. The help he's getting from reading that book. Right. It's kind of you imagine it be. I think it works. Yeah. I mean, you imagine he's if he's reading his wife's book, he's going to hear it in her voice. Right. And this is not exposition for the sake of like exposition, right? right. Or like info dump stuff like with Junius. This is a character running through his own thoughts. And that to me is far more interesting. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of season three Daredevil where like you have, they have to explain, they have to explain that the Kingpins reviewed some guy's detailed files and come up with a plan to manipulate him. You could just show, you could tell that, or you could show him, in some kind of fanciful way, reviewing these man's memories. And I think they did the same thing where you're supposed to understand that Amelia is kind of a construct of Wayne's own deductions and intuitions kicking in. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I thought that this, you know, again, is, is much of a piece with the rest of uh, true detective season three. Uh, so Wayne goes, decide he's going to look up and that. So I keep on thinking like, oh, this is a bad idea. We should let this everything about this episode saying, let this woman be in peace. OK, and I kept on thinking somehow Wayne is going to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> he old man Wayne decides to go up and look up present day uh, 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 whereabouts of Julie and tracks down this landscaping company, goes out there, but right before Julie and her daughter come out, he forgets why he's there, has a conversation with him, gets water from him, and at the very end of the conversation has a glimmer of realization, and there's an awkward moment. But then again, like, I don't, by the time his son gets there, I don't think that Wayne, he goes back to not remembering what he's there for. So, no, I, I, yeah, I think this is the, the last... You know, the the painful last moments of Wayne's lucidity, honestly. Um, I think this is a man slipping in fully into his illness. Like there there's a slight glimmer at the end where he recognizes Julie, he understands why he was there, he has to make a choice. Do I ask about this or do I let this lie? And I think mm-hmm. he makes a choice to let it lie. But then by the time, yeah, his son shows up, he's back to 
not really knowing what's going on, not remembering why he's there. And then he's on the porch later and he has the glimpse of the kids, which takes him back one final time. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like that's it for Wayne. Um, you might, yeah, because like, so because it's just almost like this idea of maybe not lucidity, because like he's going to have moments where he's playing out in the front yard with his grandkids and things like that, but he's right. never going to do like be able to summon enough things to do something like this again. Or, like this or is the be, last of be, the magic that he had. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or, or even be you know the man that he would consider himself before hmm. this. You know, be be Wayne. Yeah, he's now. A different man who, you know, can participate in his grandkids' lives in some capacity, I'm sure. But yeah, he's wandering off into the jungle. Yeah. Uh, so there. So his son picks him up. His daughter drives him his car back. Um, and here's where I think it's interesting. Number one, the the people that casted Becca and Henry, I really paid attention to this episode. They are such a great like mix of Mahershala and um uh, Carmen. Mm-hmm. like it's really kudos kudos to the casting but they have this like nice nice moment where i she she says like he said hey i've missed you and she kind of tears up and says i miss you i'm missing you now and she kind of like starts to confess something and he grabs her hand and i'm i'm torn between whether maybe they did have like a misunderstanding or a bad moment and maybe and maybe or maybe she just had a hard time seeing her father go through this and kind of like noped out um either way yeah. like i because like this happens man like i remember my grandfather or my dad and his sisters and brothers getting so upset with my grandfather when he was in the late stages of alzheimer's it's infuriating um and and something that generates a lot of grief and despair i, I wonder if we're supposed to understand that there was a falling out but she feels kind of shitty about it or maybe she didn't understand why her dad was acting irrational or uh, I, I feel like there's something there. Cause she was trying to apologize for something and he was then just, you know, there's no need to it. Or maybe he doesn't even remember. Or, I don't know, but I, I thought yeah. it was a nice moment and it's ambiguous and it's kind of on brand for the season. Yeah. It's hard to say with that illness. Cause I think like, okay, well anytime, you know, Wayne could have picked up a phone and called her. Yeah. You know, they could have kept in touch. There could have been this relationship there. Like there Rocky. clearly wasn't, but then you think about his illness. Like how how often did he was he with it enough to even give her a call? Right. Know? That that's where I was before when we had this conversation. It's like, yeah, like if he was normally functional, then I guess I could say that he's let the relationship lapse or something. But I mean, you know, oh, I think he did with Roland. That's that's kind of where Roland lo- for most sure of he that bailed comes on. from. Yeah, Roland for sure he he bailed on. Yeah, that's that's where that idea of him comes from in my mind. Uh, Wayne gives his son this paper that he no longer recalls what it's for. It's Julie's address. Uh, but Henry crumples it up and says, it's nothing. Go play with their kids, uh, grandkids. Then he looks at it and gets pensive. And is time going to be a flat circle, Jim? Uh, Ryan B. asks, he wrote us in and says, do you think the Wayne son kept that piece of paper with Julie's address to hide it from Wayne and hopefully allow him to move on? Or do you no, think he has plans on. for it down the line? Plans to follow up on it himself <laughs> or know? perhaps give it to his documentarian girlfriend yeah so you don't hold on to something that you intend for someone to never see again Mm -hmm. you you throw that shit away you tear it up you throw it in the trash can that's the end of it right Mm -hmm. you you maybe flush it down the toilet if you really want to get rid of it now eat it you eat it (laughs) you do something with it it. the one thing you don't do is hang on to it for later yeah so no he he definitely is not like 
trying to keep this information from his dad. I think what's going through his head is, yeah, do I give this to my side piece for one last bang sesh or to make like to make or some maybe, kind of weird relationship that we had right by giving her the clue she needs. Yeah, as I say, maybe like, it's I, maybe just he believe that maybe he believes in the mission. Right. Um, but but this is why I say like there's very much room to ask the question what happens with Julie after this series right. because he takes that to Eliza. I think she blows up that woman's life. She blows up Julie's life. Like she does. She's I, outed. The media gets all over this. This woman that can't. Would be terrible. Yeah, I was I about know. to say because I was about to make a defense of. Well, I think all the dangerous people to want Julie dead or silenced or back are gone now. Yeah, I think you're right. But I never, I never thought about like, oh my god, you're right. The media circus. This would be Elizabeth Smart times a million. <laughs> it would be. I would love to see the like, look on the AG's face. Like, though. I mean, I guess I, I'm fam- sure he's not the AG anymore. Maybe he is. I mean, I guess the family would probably be able to navigate that, but that's a lot of that's a lot of trauma for for no yeah. good. Um, yeah, I don't know. That would be yeah. So, so that's it makes troubling. me wonder. So I I lean toward the idea that Henry is not going to because of the conversation he had yeah. with his father. We're supposed to feel that this is a choice, and they don't resolve it. But yeah, I think you're right. His his father says, "What good is telling?" What what good is you know essentially bringing this up going to do any anybody? The only pro- the only problem with that is that Henry doesn't know what this is. Like he doesn't know he hasn't gone through the emotional journey his father has. And he doesn't know the import of this address. He might think, "Holy shit! What if Julie Purcell like this is a lead to the case?" And he he's not yeah. going to know that's going to blow up a happy family. He might think that like, "My God, this might get closure for." But everyone. I mean, it's hard to think that because li- literally everyone's dead. I mean, maybe it'd do good to blow up the corruption of the AG, who apparently can get bought off by a sh- chicken farmer. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Henry ends up, you know, on the public information desk. Right. <laughs> like you said, times a flat circle. Right. And and essentially, Wayne has doomed his son with this this address to spend uh, the next twenty five years the way he did. Uh, so then at the end, Roland comes over and meets the entire family and they all watch as Wayne's grandkids ride off on their bikes like Julian will. And the camera catches his eyes and through his iris, we travel back into the 1980s uh, to the scene where him and Amelia in the VFW. Uh, I mentioned that I really like this season and I got to say that I think Nick Pizzolatto was entirely 100 percent straight up in everything he said this season. Like we thought there was trickery uh, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that we're wrong to suspect that from these types. But like he was trying to say none of this matters. All these like all these allusions to these other cases are just there for like color and detail. This is not what this story is about. And to the extent that I think you engage with the material at that, you probably liked it more. And to the extent that you thought that this was all put on and there is a greater mystery, you're probably disappointed. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I and it's sort of weird too because he's out there on Twitter directly interfacing and answering questions. Yes, he's very Ryan, Ryan Murphying it, as I said. Yeah, when people say, "Hey, I think of this," or "or what is, what does this mean?" He's like, "Oh, here's the answer." Yeah, plain and simple. Uh, which I, in some respects, I like. In some respects, because like, it wasn't well, are you what, giving away too much. But, I don't, yeah, I don't but know. It, it turns out no. Everything he gave away about no, it's not Amelia. No, it's not the da- daughters in L.A. She's fine. No, none of that was central to the story he was trying to tell. Oh yeah, but I mean, by process of elimination, once you <laughs> once you eliminate everything mm. that Nick Pizzolatto says is not true, what's left must be the truth, and mm. and maybe that helped a lot of people. Oh, I get see. on to this mystery. No, and then, I, I think. 
I wonder had well, I don't know because like I do think he definitely shut the door on a lot of theories. Yeah. Um, because for whatever reason, like I was surprised that when I was following the, I was I was surprised that people took his um like words that like oh no that's not it as like gospel like because usually when a when a community gets really ate up with conspiracies and I would say that r slash true detective is a community that tends to get ate up with conspiracies that that would just throw another level of accelerant on the fire Mm -hmm. well the showrunner says it can't be this so it must be that that, but there was none of that so early i saw very little of it anyway yeah i got pretty pretty impressed with r slash true detective i thought everyone was pretty on point uh they did good detective work all around no one got like there was the, the theories were the the most outlandish theory was only like one degree removed from what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, like I think the Amelia is the killer and the pumpkin lady stuff is more memes than, than, than real <laughs> theories at, at, at most points. Yeah. So, the Amelia stuff had a lot of people on board. With I it, think around episode weird, five, but... that like was the, the Zenith of that maybe yeah. episode six, but I felt like this door got slammed pretty hard on those in the last few episodes. But so I like this last sequence of scenes. Um, I think starting with uh, Henry telling his father to go play with his grandchildren, I think this thematically puts a nice bow on everything, uh, on the character of Wayne specifically. Because like we see him throughout this episode saying, I don't play. Mm-hmm. I don't play. He yeah, says that yeah, multiple yeah. times. And then as he's sort of losing the old Wayne, as the old Wayne is is receding into the jungle mm-hmm. never to be seen again uh the new wayne who goes and plays with his grandkids emerges right, right. like I, I very much get the feeling that that's the kind of tone they're going for which to me is the sweet note in that bitter that is alzheimer's and the the trauma that the family and wayne suffer from there well i mean it's like i said i think there's such a nice parallel between julie's story and wayne's story is that like you would not from the beginning because i was honestly wouldn't be surprised if Wayne died this episode. I was thinking yeah. that that there's going to be some kind of like either him or Roland probably going to heroically sacrifice themselves for some kind of end. Um, or tragically, Wayne or tra- could kill himself. Like, or like, I-, I also thought like as Wayne was getting excited, having the revelation that he might have a stroke or a heart attack and like, yeah, he would kind of reunite with his wife at the end and also solve the mystery, but also preserve it to save. Like, I thought it's like, there's so many things I was like open for like, okay, sure. This is defensible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like the idea that you would never have thought in episode one, that Julie in 2015 would not only be alive, but be thriving. Yeah. And you would also never think it'd be way the Wayne started out the season in 2015, that at the end of that, he would find any kind of measure of peace and happiness. Um, and they both did it. They're both unlikely survival stories. And I think those are pretty nice, pretty nice to have around. Um, because yeah, like you can go through a lot of shit in this life and not end up broken. Um, and it's a very different ending from season one. Uh, and it's also season one is bleak. It, yeah. It's not, it's not men like leaning into the fact that we're bad men. And we keep other bad. It's, it's a man leaning into his continue leaning into his vulnerability mm-hmm. and trusting in others. Um, and that's, yeah. I think a very nice, a very nice moral for a show like true detective to have. Um, although slightly less badass than a drug fueled sh- fight 
to the death in a, in yeah. a yellow king lair. Like I said, less less thrilling. I mean, <laughs> there I, was no gateway to an outer dimension that opened at any point in this episode. Jesus, I I love that. I love that sequence of scenes. Yeah, from season one. Yeah, it's no, so that's good. great. No, season uh, one is good in a different. So way. here, so let's have this conversation because I don't think we're going to do wrap up podcasts. Agree or disagree? Probably not. I think I've said everything I feel. I, I about think that the community feels the same way. It just feels like ever, yeah. it, it, whether you're whelmed or underwhelmed, you do feel. I, I think you're either you, you're pushing yourself from the table from disgust or you're leaving satisfied. <laughs> Um, or you're screaming, punish me, punish me, <laughs> punish me, Nick. Uh, what? <laughs> so season one, season three, yeah. Which one? Which one's got the the crown? Which one's got the belt? I think I like season three overall better. But I think you're right. I kind of like the finale of season one better. I know. I know a lot of people hated yeah. the season one finale, but yeah, I, I it was certainly more thrilling. Uh, and you know, oftentimes that's all I need. Yeah, and I think that the performances in season one are pretty incredible. They are, yeah. Um, but I think what happened with with Dwarf and uh, yeah. Mahershala and Carmen and everybody, top to bottom, I I think that it was that that was kind of like the the performances as a whole were essentially the eight the six minute long wander through the projects in season one mm-hmm. so there i don't think there was a single there was any single moment as thrilling as that or like the shootout at the the meth cookhouse or the final moment the confrontation with the yellow king and walking to bride's path but overall i think the the this season was higher than already an incredible season one but i mean yeah it's it's hard to argue that see the episode eight wasn't like if not a disappointment then essentially it just an extended epilogue yeah um, yeah it almost feels like everything with the case was resolved in, in episode seven right right but, but maybe that's just because i'm reading reddit and getting could into be. the theories and and coming up with my own and could be yeah i will say that like i'm i'm genuinely excited for a season four if he says he's already has an idea for it and if they give him enough time i i i will be scared if this comes back in 2020 but if this comes back in 2021, you know, early 2022, like I would legit I'm I am reinvigorated and reinvested in this as a franchise. And Nick Pizzolatto, honestly, as a as a as a creative type, I was a little skeptical after season season uh, season two. So a lot of shows, their initial the initial audience reaction over the course of, of years after it changes, yeah. um, like the worm turns on certain things right and i feel like this might be one of those shows where everybody because because the the major tone of the reviews that i've seen has been one of dissatisfaction uh for this finale i think it let a lot of people down and not in like an extreme way but but certainly in like i just was hoping for more from this show uh I feel like over the course of the next five, 10 years, people are going to look more at this season and say, okay, the things that the, the expectations we had going into this season really got in the way of the appreciation of the season overall. Mm-hmm. And, and that will actually make in retrospect, the finale better. And I think people are going to start to like the finale more <laughs> in subsequent years. Well, I also think that I think Mahershala Ali is, is on his way to be a super duper duper star. Oh yeah. Um, and I also that think that like this could be um and Carmen Ijo- Jesus Christ Ijogo is charismatic. She's... I mean as much as you want to say about uh uh fucking right. Stephen Dorf or Mahershala Ali, 
she's right up there. Like right. I, she captivated me. Every it's moment amazing she's on the that screen. the internet doesn't hate her because like usually these like <laughs> strong women antagonists to the right. male protagonist are just like fucking uh, male angst bait on the internet. And like, I saw hardly any of that. Like there was some, I think fairly f- even handed analysis of their relationship and like scoring the fight cards after each one and maybe fatigue at the fighting itself. But um I yeah, and I think you're right. It's it's due to the fact that number one, the writing was very even handed and incredible and and vulnerable and her performance is like, yeah, she's fucking charismatic as hell. Mm-hmm. Also, Stephen Dorff, I mean, this is a John this is John Travolta in pulp fiction. I don't know what he'll do yeah. with it. Yeah, but like uh, <laughs> he's <laughs> gonna do jewel commercials. <laughs> <laughs> but thing, the thing is, is I think it's come right around, and that jewel is now cool. At least Jewel's with the cool, kids, baby. I don't... yeah, certainly with the kids. So the, uh, the, 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 the it's funny because you know Matthew McConaughey, we call it the McConaughey or yeah, whatever. I was I was trying to be detective, but I, I feel like this the, is not going to be Dorf's Dorfessence. It's, it. it's the new Dorf minion. I don't, I don't know how to term it, but I think this is not it. It's not True uh-huh. Detective. It's actually the commercials for vaping products that he does as a follow-up to right, this. Right, That everyone's going to suddenly go, oh, yeah, fucking Dorf, man. That's what's going to be funny is, like, Stephen Dorf doesn't... He he's actually will get genuinely excited about all the new vape projects that he can... He, <laughs> right. His agent's like, come, please, will you look? Will you look at season two of Watchmen? I think there's this this tough guy, Night Owl character that's right... Nah, man, what's, what's Jewel saying? Yeah. What's uh I need a juice. I need a juice. I need a signature juice. I need a, a, a dwarf juice. Oh god, a line of dwarf e juice. E dwarf. I, <laughs> I love it. Essence of dwarf. I'd buy one and put it on the shelf. Hell I yeah. Wouldn't vape it, but Hell yeah, you got one ironic gag purchase guaranteed. Guaranteed dwarf, you hear that? No, Just but- charge a lot for it. No, I like, yeah, I, god damn, if, uh, if, if he's announced for a Wolverine project in the next 12 months, my head will explode. I'll be so fucking he's, he's excited for, for the old man. Yeah. Wolverine. Well, I mean, plus like everyone's going to be casting their next gen stuff. Like it seems like they're blowing up a lot of the DC side. Marvel after this Avengers shit is going to be, look, I, I think there's a lot of projects for, for people with talent. And, um, I can't wait to see what, uh, what he does next to what 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 a turnaround we he shut us the fuck up we were making so many fucking jokes everybody yep. was in the preseason yep shut us up kudos dwarf uh okay shall we get to feedback let's do it well we are wrapping up our true detective coverage and that's super sad but the if you've enjoyed our coverage know that the only we only way we're able to give it the depth that we can and cover as much television and movies as we can is because we do this on a full-time basis and we are largely supported entirely by our listeners we're the pbs and npr podcasting we got our our donation drives and you're right smack in the middle of it you can go to club.baldmove.com and it's not just you know you we don't we don't give you a cheesy handbag a little pin you get you get we get what you want which is more content bonus content video versions of the podcast ad free versions of the podcast vip access to our forums uh features like quip that's coming back our spoiler filled first run movie reviews lunch with Jim and Aaron all this fantastic content can be previewed for free no obligation. You don't have to you don't have to enter shit except for club.baldmove.com in your browser bar. And then if you want to, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial. You gotta get your credit card out for that one. But it's no obligation, hassle-free, 30-day, your money back. If you don't like it, guarantee club.baldmove.com. Thanks in advance for your support. 
you can send this to truedetective at baldmove.com. And when it comes back in 2020, we'll consider it. Uh, Brian G. Or you know what? The thing to do is to get on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. I'll create a wrap-up thread for uh, any new thoughts that people want to have. And, uh, you know, I'll probably peruse it and we can talk there. All right. Feedback. Brian G. So this is a scholarship around Amelia's death. He says, in 2015, when Wayne meets up with Roland at Roland's house, they discuss the past 25 years. Wayne mentions 24 good years with Amelia after 1990. I think there's also oh, a later shit. mention okay. of her dying, quote-unquote, two years ago in the 2015 timeline, plus a picture of an elderly, or at least more gray-haired than we've seen her, Amelia, in Wayne's house. So her death in 2013 seems pretty inarguable meaning she would definitely have been alive when Wayne took Rebecca to college, but for some reason didn't make the trip, which is a huge question for me. This seems... Could be, could be very sick. <sighs> but... So, I... I, I it, how old is... Okay. So, if Henry was... What? 30s? I... Nine in 1990, then in 2015, he would be... Uh, 34? Yeah, it seems like maybe she's too old for for Amelia to have been sick when she was exactly. going to college. I think that this is a little bit of uh piece, a lot of coloring outside the lines and trying to bait a, some estrangement or something like that that didn't exist. Um, mm. But, uh, but yeah, I can't argue with the, with the scholarship here. Uh, they say also for what it's worth, I've been collecting screenshots and the ghost man in suit is most definitely not the same actor that plays Harris James. Um, really? Then yeah. Who the fuck is it? Well, I think it is Harris James. I just think that like this might be a pickup, or they didn't have him on set, or whatever, because it's not the same gotcha. hair. It's not the same dude. They're not. They, I think they could at least put him in the same outfit he was shot to death in. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's another maybe fast and loose. Uh, I, nefarious. It's fast and loose, and that he was trying to put us off the scent. Um, it less nefarious is that they just had a shooting conflict that couldn't get the guy back, and they decided they yeah. Nick says he wants actual ghosts. So let's get all of the people he's killed in. Um, so let's see here. Um, also he said unrelated to any of this, the Jeffrey Epstein case you guys discussed last week, uh, came up and you guys mentioned wanting a Netflix series. There's not that, but there's a Miami Herald piece exposing some of the awful mess that got hidden in the case. It's very worth reading. Uh, I'm going to link this, uh, this expose from the Miami Herald in the show notes. If you guys want to watch this, cause like I said, I think this is, it's an ongoing scandal in America that we, we've kind of like, Wait, what? This guy got off for what? And the guy who worked this deal is now who? Like, so I, I think it's worth us us taking a look at it. If you if you didn't get your fix of fucking weird pedo rings from from True Detective, unfortunately, there's a bevy of real life ones that you can get obsessed with, and That's maybe true. we can shine some light on. So I'll put that in the show notes. Um, Ted V, was I the only one thinking partway through the final episode that the groundskeeper was going to be the Yellow King or at least some version of him? Wasn't the villain from season one also the groundskeeper? Do we think that this is a coincidence or intentional symmetry? I, I think it's an intentional thing from Nick Pizzolatto. And, and you know, he goes the other direction with it this time. But it's like red symmetry, red herring symmetry. Yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, I, I, I don't even I don't feel like there is a name for that. It's it's a de- it feels like a deconstruction of season th- one more than an homage. Like almost every point that season one zigged, this one zagged. Um, you know, grounds yeah. groundskeeper, the big villain, groundskeeper here, arguably the hero. I'm talking about Mike. I'm not talking about the yeah, one-eyed yeah. man. He was the for sure like, butler, weird, weird, weird butler thing guy. Yeah. Uh, Eric D from Philly. 
I thought this is a brave and poignant finale, but only after an evening of reflection. Going in, I felt almost programmed to stay vigilant for sinister twists, so much so that I even felt doubts about Roland's motives and secrets during the ominous music that loomed when he was leaving the haze after they found Mary July's grave. I also felt like there's a little bit of ominous tension when they're playing the ominous music when they're in the pink castle. Mm. And like Hayes was kind of looming behind Wayne. And I'm like, he's not going to slam the door of this vault shut cask of Amatillo style. Like <laughs> stuck there forever. Like there, like I, there's a couple points where I thought this episode could have lost me and I was trying to be vigilant against them. But yeah, uh, though the biggest twist was what none of us, uh, the major characters nor us expected the Colonel nor uh, or in the essence of good and almost all who were involved. Or that's the surprise that there was an essence of, of good and almost everyone involved. The outcome of everyone's actions, each in their own unique way, led to at least some modicum of rest and happiness for Julie and her family, Roland and his dogs, Hayes and his family, and Amelia's ghost, and the case itself. This is probably the most introspective twist that could have been scripted. I feel grateful to Nick and the entire cast for really delivering an emotional payoff. Thanks to the dedication, uh, the decades of suffering, confusion, misdirection, and torture, which together serves as a tragic but requisite precursor. It may be remembered the universe's moral arcs slight changes in degrees that are nearly impossible to see discreetly. They only suggest a pattern over time. Instead, its true shape is only evident when layered and fully extended. Bravo to True Detective for not cheaply satiating our true crime-bolstered obsession with malevolence, vengeance, and the convoluted motivations of criminals. It instead explored the thesis that these sins have a divine purpose to demand the best from others and to ensure evil doesn't unnaturally change the arc's true trajectory forward toward a contentment, justice, and peace. Uh, having said that, I'm looking forward to seeing Roland and Marty fuck some shit up in True Detective Season 4. Uh, <laughs> so, any, any, any thoughts on that take, Jim? No, I like it. All right, Texas Sandman. Gosh, what a great season of True Detective. It was well worth extended wait. Let's just all agree to give Nicky Pizza as much time as he needs to put together the next season, assuming there is one. I mean, I can't see HBO not making another season, right? I don't know. If I'm... I, I might tell him, try and go out on top. <laughs> well, well, there's that. And also, like, we, they, we haven't talked about this, but, like, we kind of think HBO has been taken over by a maniacal asshole who is yeah, really cranking so, the lever on content creation up. And, and I don't think it's been felt yet. I think this, so there's this I interview with the guy who, yeah, is now running the, the HBO wing of the company, and he wants to do a Netflix, which mm -hmm. is a lot of content, just as much as Fire they can hose. fucking pump out, uh, which means probably like two three new shows a week a, did you a see movie. the trailer for upcoming content for hbo it's like yeah. so much crazy shit they could only show me three seconds of game of thrones god damn right. it! right they showed us like 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 three seconds of every show that's coming out this year and the trailer was three minutes long it's intimidating yeah <laughs> for someone its job is to cover this shit but i don't think that's hit us yet no. i think that wave of content is still being created uh so this is still like old school hbo right which I'm, 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 I am cool with. I would have been cool with going into the future. I didn't mm. need HBO to try to be Netflix, but mm. they think that's the business model. Yeah. Uh, I so I I can't imagine that would interfere. Like this guy, like if Nick Pizzolatto wants to come back three years from now with another show, he'll probably greenlight it, right? Yeah. You I know? mean, just like he does with you know all the the big HBO people. Yeah. 
right? There, there are a lot of people they work with over and over again. I hope they still are committed to that philosophy because I could also see this guy being yeah. like, hey, sorry, David, as soon as Deuce is at, get the fuck out of here because you, you make great shows that no one watches. I could do without Jack Black. I can make a shitty show that no one watches for half the price, half the cost. Um, yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, Texas Sandman continues. First, a little problem I had with the episode. While I enjoyed the episode overall, there were some scenes that seem a little long-winded and exposition heavy, particularly the confession of Junius Watts. I'll... I will 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 grant you this point. Mm-hmm. I think that is a even people that like the episode can see that as a very valid criticism. Um, Michael Rooker was phenomenal though as Mister Hoyt. I love the cat and mouse game as he and Wayne pro- probed to see how much the other knew and powering through a pint of whiskey at eight or nine in the morning. <laughs> that's a drinking problem. Yeah. yeah, and that's just what he had handy in the limo, mm-hmm. right? That's his travel. That's his travel pint. Uh, who knew Steven Dorff was such a badass? Like, apparently Nick Pizzolatto in the casting department. I felt It felt a little tropey having a guilty man using a bar fight as punishment for his wrongdoings, but the provocation leading up to fight was masterful. And seeing the genesis of Roland's dog-whispering career was a nice, heartfelt moment. Unanswered questions, what happens to Amelia? I think we actually have answered that, thanks to the emailer previous to you. Um, uh, there was also a tweet from Nick Pizzolatto answering that. Uh, oh, yeah? Where, where he said essentially that there was a scene that he had written that got cut for time uh, uh, that essentially w- was the whole arc of their relationship after the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, which was like a, a, a scene on a beach where they're having a good time and sort of relaxing. And mm-hmm. then it leads into, uh, you know, just a happy marriage kind of leading up to her peaceful death in her sleep. I think so that's no trauma. She wasn't like she didn't yeah. fall off or jump off a bridge or anything. She it was didn't just, die after a year of battle of leukemia. Or... Yeah, it seemed like it was just sort of a sudden death that uh-huh. that was mostly peaceful. Yeah. And um, I, I felt like that scene in the beginning gave me that. Like these are people that okay. like are reasonable amount of time past the troubles of the 90s. And they are very much in love and they're very much seem to be keeping to the terms of their agreement and, mm-hmm. you know like five seven years on that's a pretty good time and it seems like the agreement's working yeah uh what was the rift between rebecca and wayne i think it was in her head i think we we drew the wrong conclusion from an ambiguous scene where like i think you now i understand that wayne that henry was just upset and traumatized by his father's decreasing mental state mm-hmm. that he can't like this is a, this is probably something maybe they even he came here and like began the evening with like when's Rebecca going to show up well pop you know she's out in LA and then five minutes later during dinner when she that happens and it's hella frustrating and sad and that scene I think plays exactly that way uh, if you watch it that way so I think we just mis- misinterpreted it um, so, so glad that this season was returned to form. You all are able to give it the proper coverage it deserved. Well, thank you, Texas Sandman. Anything else? We move to Miguel in Sacramento. Let's do it. Miguel says, I'm firmly in the return to form camp, and I was blown away by this season as a whole. Rather than raffle off a laundry list of everything I loved, I'll briefly list two of my faves. Mr. Ali did some of the best face work I've ever seen. The way old man's face would morph into whenever he transitioned from lucidity to being lost was amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. A master's course in his craft. I think. Yeah, it's just the the eyes, subtlety in his eyes. Like, and and having both Pizzolatto and and, uh, uh, Ali said that they've had family members have this because. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it. that's what it looks like when someone's neurons stop 
gelling at at the the the, the point they're at and it happened mid it's really eerie and they did a good job yeah the confusion uh, of just being in a different time than you were in a second ago right like i mean it must like it must be like a continue it must be like just a pull, full-time permanent acid trip where every once in a while you can pull enough together to really is oh shit i am who i am and i'm in this time and oh my god this is fucked and then you're mm-hmm. lost in whatever chemical soup's going on in your brain it's 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 terrifying i really hope we can find a cure before i get to the age where i have to worry about that shit yeah um axel f i think the oh wait a second i'm sorry i went ahead and skipped miguel's other points um whenever wayne and roland he continues we're driving in a car no matter the era you get the distinct impression that they are the two baddest motherfuckers on the planet and they're seen in the finale with the transitions from era to era as they drive to confront Junius was the cherry on top of the Sunday mm-hmm. of holy shit that they served up throughout the season. Agreed. Yeah, I like that shot. I mean, these are two guys you do not want to be a child abductor and <laughs> then think that you are around because they will fucking drag you out to the woods and kill you. Mm-hmm. That is the definition of a of a of a of a dangerous person. They'll uh, accidentally kill you, but they'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> accident yeah I, I, nobody was that upset about it were they i guess yeah rolling, rolling was, but wayne cro- wayne less so crocodile tears there yeah um alex f i think the storylines about amelia's book and eliza's tv show were a commentary on the true crime phenomenon that's really exploded since serial got big five years ago mm-hmm. and the arguments between wayne and amelia and in eliza's attempts to get wayne to vindicate her ex- conspiracy theories about the case you can see pizzolato grabbing grappling with the way we obsess over real life crimes these days in the case of the book like Amelia's, where is the line between telling someone's story and profiting off of it? When a documentary like Eliza's picks apart the details of decades-old crime, it really is about getting the truth out. Or is it really about getting the truth out? Or is it forcing a bunch of unsatisfying, ambiguous facts onto a narrative that the audience will find compelling? I find the whole true crime theme kind of voyeuristic and gross, and I think Pizzolatto does too, but I appreciated that he gave the counter-argument a compelling voice in Amelia. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, in general, I think the key to enjoying True Detective is remembering that it's always been interested in its characters first, its theme second, and its mysteries a distant third. I think that tracks. Like, I feel like in retrospect, we think the mystery is more important in season one than it was, but hmm. it's still like if you like you think about the way that wrapped up early in the episode and it had like almost the entire second half of the finale of of season one was a a similar denouement where it just kind of like showed where our characters are at and what trajectory they're going to be in the future but um i don't know uh season three was about a marriage a partnership and a man trying to put his falling pieces together the purcell case just provided the framework to hang all that on I can see people being disappointed that there weren't any grand reveals to justify all of the theorizing. But then again, that's been the show's MO since the first season. As a great American orator once said, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me once, fool me, you can't get fooled again. (laughs) Right. Uh, So what you said about this Purcell case being kind of the skeleton that every relationship, that the the actual story is hanging Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. is the exact thing that I was thinking as I was putting my notes together. this whole thing, the the relationship, the, the man who Wayne is, the relationship that he has with Amelia and that she has with him, uh, every single piece of this is based on this case mm-hmm. uh, until the finale when he can move past it. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's 
it's a different way to tell a very similar story to season one because season one we had the three timelines right we had the same rough structure but it didn't do as much with those timelines as this season has and i feel like that's where this season really shined is at least in regards to its structure is it used that to propel forward the characters and i don't feel like it really did that in season one hmm. like the season one timelines were more about the mystery unfolding in in my opinion maybe i'm it, you know it's been a few years now since i've seen it so maybe i'm misremembering but no i think it maybe it I'll didn't s- have the, the the strong character beats that i felt that this had especially at the end Huh. Like Russ looks up at the sky and he says, "Oh yeah, the light's winning." But like, right. does that fundamentally change him as a person? I maybe to even have that realization, he has changed. Right. But but I think the the, the everything with the timelines here worked a lot better for me. All right, next Matt. Uh, this is a, a ne- kind of a, a downer take. I was a little let down by the finale of True Detective season three. Sure, there's closure, but kind of meh. I was hoping for a 2015 shootout with Mr. June. Purple Haze could have at least stink palm Michael Rooker like Jason Lee did to, to him in Mallrats. In reality, they would have sniffed the mom out on day one. She would have broke so much faster than Tom. All right. Do you agree with that? Be- Sniff the mom out on day one. Because she wasn't, neither her nor Tom were a subject of interest until... Like, like and, then, and then everything got slammed shut in the Woodard case. And by yeah. the time things came back in the 90s, they were all dead. So I think that you're right. If the investigation was allowed to come to its natural conclusion, this thing would have probably collapsed under its weight. But they had a man on the inside fabricating evidence and uh, official approval to shut this whole thing down. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't a plot. That wasn't a plot hole for me anyway. Uh, th- felt it was a heck of a ride either way, and it kept me captivated for weeks. Trevor from the North says, to start off, I really have to say I was overly impressed with this season. From Pizzolatto's writing to the amazing performances by Ali and Dorf, this is close to the second in my books to season one. Um, since it was, I was so satisfied with this season, I was wondering what you guys think of the reception of this season, especially after Sunday's episode. Seems like as a 50-50 split on places like Reddit. I feel like... I feel like we've done a good enough job at talking about like I what what is no, your, it's definitely split. Do you think it's like 50 50? Because I thought I it think was it's more 60 40 negative. Negative. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. at least the stuff that I was reading. Yeah. Wow. Maybe I was because I was thinking maybe it's more 75 25. So like it's still a significant split. Good versus bad. But you, you're exactly the opposite for me. So, um, yeah, hmm. I, that's you know, we probably didn't read the same things read the same people well i also might be overly influenced by the feedback because i had two negative feedbacks Mm. out of all the ones and one i didn't read any one person hilarious is like well i hope you guys instead of the words effect was like hope you guys remember to be honest and really tell talk about how what a terrible finale this turd was i'm like dude uh i don't know if i can promise to both be honest and also confirm your subjective opinion the only thing i can ever promise is to be honest in my opinion and my opinion is like i said it was good in some respects bad in others right i mean yeah i mean we're not we're not pulling punches with pizzolato listen to season two coverage like i thought we were very fair to that but also critical so uh anyway justin i while the pitto ring was ultimately just another red airing herring what do you make of the michael rooker's almost throwaway comment where he says certain people would not be happy if you kept trying to find that purcell girl 
Um, yeah, was... he's got to know about the kidnapping. At the very least, he's got to know that he had a pretty princess in his basement. Yes. Otherwise, what the fuck is this man doing? Right. He's just on safari How... all the time. Yeah. So, so that was my read on it. Is he's like, I don't care about this girl. I'm not going to go after her. I'm not trying to kill her like mm-hmm. you think I am or kill anybody who's going after her. But if you do go after her, then I have to cover my ass, right? Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, like, because... You think I'm going to lose all this over your angst on this case? You know? Right. So, he, yeah, that's that's how I read it. Um, he also says, now that's all said and done, what is the deal with Amelia's early season boyfriend? Was there nothing at all on all that? Man. Dude, what's, what's the deal with him? What's the deal with Dan O'Brien, who just vanishes off the face of the fucking planet? Uh, Dan yeah. O'Brien? The vanishes? cousin, yeah. I thought, I thought it was pretty They chase clear. him to a motel, and then his car's gone. Harris killed him and threw him in a... And threw him in a uh, I mean, I think it's implied that... You think that, that's when, when it happened? Yeah, that, that he's killed on? and thrown huh. into, a, thrown into a, a retention pond. Or no, it was a stone quarry. I, I, I think. Yes. Who else would have done it? Tom? Well, I, I guess my question was when it happened. I guess happened. the other thing like, is maybe did... Tom shot him uh, <laughs> and and did him in. I don't, that's, yeah, I don't see Tom. Uh, Tom doesn't seem like a killer. I don't killer. see Tom doing that. But right. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. It's just Dan. I guess there was no whiff of Harris James having been on Dan's tail at that right. point. If If we had said, okay, here's a little cutaway scene that shows Harris James looking up Dan or something. Yeah. Or, or trying to figure out where he is but we never saw that right so i assumed that dan ran off realizing he wasn't going to get his seven grand and that he had his crazy lunatic cousin-in-law or brother-in-law after him or whatever the fuck he is yeah as far as the boyfriend i remember getting a clear impression that she was attached which is why i thought some of the reticence from her getting into relationship with wayne off the bat came from or the awkwardness about it but like I don't know, maybe it. It, maybe I read that wrong, too, and they kind of painted Amelia as a little bit of a bohemian. Uh, maybe she could be like, hey, I'm just fucking this guy in the philosophy department of the <laughs> West Finger <laughs> K-12 through school. Yeah, they don't, I don't think they have a philosophy department. No. But no. then again, maybe if they have a history teacher like she's in, it's like, I don't know that many eighth grade English teachers are quoting poetry at this this high a caliber either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real a dead poet society they got going on here. Um, but yeah, I, maybe it's like, I didn't go back and rewatch the scenes. Did we actually see them kiss or anything? Cause it could also be that they're just carpooled. Nope. Yep. Like it, it, I, I definitely remember them being friendly, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember the, like a squeeze or a hug or a, I think it was just, he stands at the car with mm-hmm. the door open, and like, like expecting her. her to kind of yeah. come over and then she does, yeah. but there's no physical interaction between them. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a little weird, but whatever. Travis says, hey, guys, I'm a season two or uh, I'm the season two slash anti defender that we've uh, talked over the season about season three would have been elevated for me if the finale landed. But unfortunately, I found it really underwhelming. The Michael Rooker stuff seemed pointless. We got next to nothing from Julie's perspective, although it did deliver a good twist. The season one callbacks were indeed simply fan service and every Wayne and Amelia fight resolution felt like rinse, wash, repeat. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but I'm more likely to rewatch season two than season three. Season two had problems, but still had a lot going on and was entertaining in a kind of trashy kind of way. Season three was tightly wound and focused, but I felt like not a lot happened. Looking forward to the discussion of this uh, and the rest of the year in TV. Looking forward to the final season of Mr. Robot. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, I 
totally get every one of these criticisms um it's just i felt like i wasn't looking for the show to deliver on those areas and and you clearly clearly were so um that yeah happens. i think i could have done with maybe one fewer wayne amelia argue about you know him going out over the case or her you writing a what? book about the case i scene. do think now that i've seen the whole season i think there's this middle argument that yeah probably yeah. just probably. like one less yeah uh because c- i understand what they're trying to do in those scenes just... all the others move the ball mm. forward or, or set the ball up is, is when we flash back to the 1980s but there's one that did feel like repetition but on the other hand i the one thing i can say is that they the first fight was so in episode four was so well done and yeah. landed in kind of like a place of understanding that if they didn't have to fight the next week and they resumed the week after it felt jarring. They're kind of like, this was a, this wasn't actually a legitimate understanding. This was a moment of like peace or, Oh yeah, I still love you and find you attractive rather than like, Oh yeah, I completely understand you and accept you as a person. If I had to guess, I would say there are probably, and I haven't counted, there are probably four scenes of them fighting mm-hmm. uh, over, over what five. amounts to the book. Okay. If, that's if you throw worse. in the the eighties, like the thing from this, this, this season to, or this, the show too. Yeah. I was going to say, look, you know, you, you, do things in threes and yeah. people get the point right and they feel satisfied by that you go to four you go to five it starts to feel tedious and maybe they went to four or five right but as far as like the rest of it, i i i am super excited too like we talked uh we're, we're gonna if i predict right we'll be talking in the housekeeping about all the stuff we're going to be going on but just like if if you look at the things just the HBO's coming out this year, I wrote down in the trailer The Righteous Gemstones, Deadwood the Movie, OG, The Case Against Adnan Syed, The Inventor, What's My Name, Muhammad Ali, Game of Fucking Thrones, Chernobyl. Oh, there his, you go. His, I was wondering if you'd mentioned the most important one. Jared Harris coming Anybody back. Anybody who's seen the terror knows that Chernobyl is going to be a must-see television show. Uh, his Dark Materials, Watchmen, The Deuce, Barry, these are all things I'm at least interested enough yeah, to man. talk to about on bald move television and this and- is fucking why i think this is a problem for hbo trying to pump out a shitload of content is because every single show that they showed a preview for i'm interested maybe in. like two or three like i didn't give a shit about the divorce one or i'm too it's too late for me to jump on board vice but yeah but but as Pretty they introduce lies. more and more shows that i'm not interested in i start to hbo mm-hmm. as a network starts to diminish in my mind right and, I, I want them to be known for quality. Yes. I'm, I'm hoping because that's the thing that brings me back time and time again to all these shows. But can they maintain it? Um, we'll see. So, yeah, I, like I said, this is going to be our final coverage for True Detective. But again, it's not. I mean, I know you guys are HBO fans and Game of Thrones is just around the corner and we're going to have bonkers off the wall coverage of its final season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually going to be starting up the preview feed on that pretty soon because um, I wrote a book with a co-author on the off season and we're going to be doing some promo for that before the season starts. So that's pretty exciting. And then again, this year's is loaded. Mr. Robot. Uh, 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 we just got a, the new poster for stranger things. Um, I know I'm leaving. I just rattled off a bunch of stuff, but yeah, the watchman is going to be a, a day one full coverage for us. Super excited for, for watchman. Uh, so I hope you do find your way back to the bald move, uh, site, the baldmove.com. You can also, um, we have movies. We're going to have movie reviews every week, just virtually every week this, this year of uh, current movies. You can find uh, the bald movies feed by going to iTunes or your favorite bald, uh, your favorite podcast app, your favorite bald app. 
and typing bald move TV or bald movies if yeah, you want I'll... to find those particular feeds. That's kind of like the weekly what's yeah, what's hot feeds move for bald move. TV has been like bald move TV feed has just been yeah chock full of stuff. We've been covering like three, four shows a week sometimes. All the new stuff that's coming out. That's that's the place to be for bald move coverage. Yeah. And you'll hear when all of our other stuff comes out. So, and you can follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter and even Instagram nowadays. And uh, like I said, this is the end of our True Detective uh, coverage. I hope you find this somewhere else on the internet at some point in time, maybe in 2035, when you're losing your grip on sanity, you'll see an email you sent to True Detective at BaldMove.com and you'll think, oh, those Aaron and we'll be dead. Blah, I've murdered Jim in Italy yep. probably 10 years and, and before then. And I'll have then. set up the booby traps to make sure that it's mutual assured destruction. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll have both been taken out by your foolhardy venture. The, 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 yeah, it's like I will have killed him, but he will have trapped me inside his pink castle. <laughs> right. So the catacombs of of the Vatican. But yeah, set set a <laughs> reminder for 2035 after the Linux epoch destroys us all and uh, we'll still be here at baldmove.com and hope to see you then. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.